Today we're going to talk about four attributes of an effective witness as we continue to look at attitudes and actions of a Christian. This one is more along the lines of actions of a Christian. Things that we need to do. It's when you've got your attitude straight and then the kinds of actions that you need to take if you have your attitude straight. And this is one of the actions you need to take. There are two things that they teach first responders. One is keep your priorities in order and the other is know when to act without hesitation. A college professor who was an avowed atheist shocked his students one day by standing on the platform and shouting that he was going to prove there is no God. And he said, God, if you're there, if you are real, knock me off this platform. I'm going to give you 15 minutes. You got 15 minutes to knock me off the platform. And then he just stood there. Well, students had different reactions. Some of the believer students thought the guy didn't prepare his, his lesson plan for today. This is a way to take up 15 minutes of his time. Or they thought, well, this is not the way God works. You don't test God like this. You know, they, everybody had their own thoughts. And a lot of them thought, well, you know, they're going to, he's, yeah, he's going to prove there is no God. But anyway, so he just stood there for, for uh, oh, 10 minutes go by. Nothing happens. Absolutely quiet. Nothing happening. Another three minutes go by. Get down to two minutes. A crusty 20-year police sergeant who had just recently retired from the force registered for the class, was sitting on the front row. He gets up and hits the professor full in the face and knocks him out. <laughs> when the professor comes to, he says, why did you do that? And the sergeant says, God sent me to do his work. Yes, indeed. Today, we're going to look at doing one of the most important of God's actions for Christians, and that is reaching other people for Christ. Reaching others for Christ. At the present rate that we're reaching people for Christ in the world, if there was nobody else born and nobody died, if we just maintain the current level of population in the world, it would take 4,000 years to reach the world for Christ. 4,000 years. If we use the multiplication process, let's say I win John to Christ, and then within six months, John wins somebody to Christ, and I win somebody else to Christ. And then within six months, all four of us lead somebody to Christ. And that process continues one every six months, which wouldn't seem unreasonable. The entire world would be led to Christ in about 
40 years if we would all take our salvation seriously and lead somebody to Christ only once every six months. Boy, howdy. That's a, quite a challenge, isn't it? That's a lot different than 4,000 years if the population didn't change. Did you know that better than 80%, and I've heard the figure more like 90%, of the people who come to salvation in Christ come to know him because of an individual contacting them and leading them to Christ. Not because of some big meeting like this or some Billy Graham crusade. A lot of people meet Christ that way. But most people, by, by uh, in large, most people come to know Christ because an individual talked to them about coming to know Christ. So when you and I take seriously the Lord's command for us to go out and reach people, it is an individual command for us to go reach people for Christ. So the great uh, task that we have before us is how can we as individual Christians reach people for Christ and how effective are we going to be in doing it? Why should we Christians concern ourselves about being witnesses? Why should we even bother to do with it? Do it. Because we know the one way to salvation. We know it. We've got it. We know the one way to eternal life. God does not want anyone to perish, and neither should we. So let's learn from our text today. Our text is found in Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Now, this is not a part of the sermon. I could say five attributes. One of the things, notice this, that they had their sensors out. They were looking for an opportunity to share their faith. That's one of the things we need to be is looking for an opportunity. But Peter and John looked straight at him. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles were strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple, at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, in this text, Peter and John have several important lessons to teach us about witnessing and we can look back at verse 4 
for the first one of the uh, attributes that you and I need to have if we're going to be effective witnesses for Christ. Attitudes and actions of a Christian, folks. Peter said, look at us. So the first thing we need to be about is setting the example boldly and with compassion. Set the example. Setting the example means that we have a godly lifestyle. Get to know what the guidelines of a godly lifestyle look like. They are found in God's Word. In a nutshell, that verse that you memorized when you were in vacation Bible school is a good place to start in Matthew 5, 16. Remember that? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. Is that what it said? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We'll talk some more about that in a minute. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So give all your life to Jesus. Give it all. Give it all to Jesus. Give your words to Jesus. Christian, if you're going to be an effective witness for Christ, you need to give your words, your language, the things you say, the kind of stuff that comes out of your mouth. That needs to be given to Jesus Christ. Give it all. Does your language and the subject matter that comes out of your mouth reflect Jesus Christ? Not too long ago, I went into a store that was owned by a fella who was a deacon and he didn't know that I was a preacher. And the filth that came out of that guy's mouth, and over a period of time, I think he, it, it dawned on him that he, was, that, that he needed to not be using that language. And all of a sudden, it was like a switch was flipped, and his language became really good. If you could do it later, why couldn't you do it earlier? Just knock it off. Are you a cusser? Quit it. You don't have to do that. If you're going to profess to be a Christian, let your language reflect Jesus Christ in your life. Don't tell dirty stories. Don't tell stuff that Jesus wouldn't want you to say if he were standing right next to you because he is. Don't do that. Let your language, let your words reflect Jesus Christ. Your attitudes, give them to Jesus. Are you a bitter, critical, sour puss? That's not a very good reflection of a Christian, is it? Or are you a pleasure to be around? Are you somebody that people like to be around because you're one of those peace, peaceable and loving Christians that people just like to, like to be around. Do you default to negativism? Or you've heard me talk before about defaulting to kindness. Britt Hume, who is a television news guy, said the other day, and I wrote it down right after he said it, he said, everyone you know is fighting battles you know nothing about. Be kind. Always be kind. Isn't that good? 
Don't be a bitter, critical sourpuss. Be a pleasure to be around. Words, attitudes, and activities. Give them to Jesus. Perhaps something as simple as the kind of T-shirt you wear, the lettering on your T-shirt would be a turnoff to somebody that was interested in Christianity. Don't wear something that would be negative to a Christian witness. Give them to Jesus. A Christian, our activities, a Christian should be the best employee our employer has. We should be the one that, that goes over and above. The one that the employer points at and says, that guy, man, that guy's got it. Now, he, yeah, he's a Christian, but he, he's a hard worker too. You know, we should be, as Christians, the fine example in the words we use, in the attitudes we have, and in the actions that we perform. Set the example boldly and with compassion. That's what we Christians should be about. That's the first one of the, the uh, attitudes that we should have. Number two, develop a giving spirit. Verse 6 says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I will give to you. I'll give you what I've got. That's what Peter and John said. There are some things you have not been given, so you cannot give. Uh, J.C. Penney, the original Mr. J.C. Penney, used to give 90% of his income, huge amounts of money that he made, he gave 90% in tithes and offerings. Now, I can do that. If I did that, I'd, I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. Probably most of you couldn't do that. But you give what you can. You pay to the Lord what out of the abundance that he's given you, and you pay your tithes and so on. You do what you can. You give what you can. But look at what you can give. Peter recognized he could give the greatest gift of all. He could give him Jesus. And so he gave him Jesus. Christian, you can be a witness and give them Jesus. So he gave. And Christian, we can offer the same gift to people in our family and in our community. Offer them Jesus. Now, normally, there are three kinds of responses that you'll get. You'll get one of three kinds of, of, uh, of responses. Some just don't want the gift when you offer it to them. When I was um, an undergraduate student at Eastern New Mexico University, uh, I was a radio announcer, a disc jockey on, the, on one of the Clovis radio stations. And there was a, a fellow announcer there on the, on the station whose name was also Joe, and he and I became good friends. And, and I started trying to win the guy to the Lord. And uh, I really was interested in Joe becoming a Christian. I wanted him to know the Lord. And Joe left the radio station and bought a little hamburger joint down at the corner of a, of a couple of busy streets. And I just, I would show up at his hamburger joint and I would start telling him more about the Lord and how I was praying for him and so on. And one day Joe said to me, and he, I never did get anywhere with him. And one day Joe said to me when I showed up at his hamburger joint again, he said, you know, Joe, I just kind of hate to see you coming. He said, I know you just fixed to preach at me again. And I thought, man, what have I done? 
you need to be sensitive when you're, when you're trying to talk to somebody about the Lord. But, and I pushed, it, I pushed old Joe too hard. But some people just don't want to hear it. And so you do what you can. You recognize that the, 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 the word is, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I've heard it in a number of places, that somebody needs to hear about Christ at least seven times before they accept him on average. And so Joe heard about Christ 700 times. And he still did, but he just didn't want it. He finally said to me, you know what that sounds like to me? He said, I remember his exact word. He said, it sounds like a bunch of bunk and hocus pocus. Joe just wasn't interested. I didn't, I quit. And, and years later, several years later, I was living in California with the Marine Corps and I heard on 60 Minutes, they were exposing Joe as a real estate fraud on some kind of a deal. Now, at least they said he was. And uh, so, you know, I don't know. But then just within the last few years, I was talking to somebody from Clovis, and they said they understood that Joe got saved. So, you know, maybe I was number one of the seven, you know, down there somewhere. But the, the point I make is some people just don't want to hear it, and that's going to be one of the responses you get. The second one of the responses that you'll get would be the same kind of response I would give you if you gave me a fruitcake for Christmas. I would say thanks, but I don't really mean it. I, 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 would, I would be nice, and I would say, that's so sweet. Thank you for sharing your faith with me. That is so nice of you, but I, don't, I, I really didn't mean it. And I would say the same thing about a fruitcake. I would, if I needed a doorstop, I would use it for that. But I, I don't want your fruitcake. And then the third response is the one that once in a while, it's so sweet when somebody says, oh my goodness, this is just exactly what I wanted. This is just right. It's exactly what I needed. Thank you so much. And it can be so great, can it? Those of you that have been there, it can be so wonderful. I was driving, again, I was living in, in, uh, in Clovis, and uh, I was uh, leading music for a revival in Melrose. If you know where that is, it's about 20 miles outside Clovis. And uh, Dr. Wyatt, who, who was pastor at First Baptist Church here in, in uh, uh, Albuquerque, uh, he had already retired, but, but he was doing the preaching and I was doing the music for Revival in Melrose. And uh, so I was on my way to, to Melrose and you go under an overpass uh, that goes to Cannon Air Force Base when you make that drive. And there was a guy with long hair and no shirt on standing under that overpass. And he just looked like a, a scrunchy guy. And, and I thought, well, I'll pull in. And I just felt like I needed to stop and offer him a ride. And so I stopped the car and, and he wasn't high on anything or anything. He was just, just standing there. And so I said, uh, where are you headed to? And he said, I'm headed to Albuquerque. 
And I said, well, I'm only going up to Melrose. I could take you that far if you want, if you want to go. And he said, uh, that, you know, sure, as far as I can go. And so he got in, and I just had a sense that I needed to talk to the guy about the Lord. And I knew I had 15 minutes. And so I started talking to him about the Lord. And by the time we got to Melrose, he was ready to pray to receive Christ. And I pulled over to the side of the road just before he got out. And he, we took each other by the hand. His name was Rick. And he knew my name was Joe. And that was it. And he prayed to receive Christ as his Savior. And he said, man, I've been on the road looking for life for three years. And here I found it in Melrose in 15 minutes. Isn't that great? And then I gave him my four things to do. You, you start talking to God all the time. You just maintain a regular prayer time. You read your Bible every day. You go tell somebody what has happened to you, and you do that on a regular basis as often as you can. And then you go join a church that teaches the Bible. I like Baptist churches, but you go find you a church that, that teaches the Bible and join yourself to it. And he said, I'll do that. And I never saw Rick again, and I guess I'll see Rick in heaven. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And I'll introduce you all to him. <laughs> because, you see, he was so glad because he was looking for life, and he found it in Jesus Christ. And when you get that response, that's the third one. And that's what you're looking for, and that can be so good. The third attribute of an effective witness we see then is take action. Get with it. Verse 6, the second part of it says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I'm saying start leading people to Christ. You set the example, you developed a good spirit, a giving spirit, and now you start leading people to Christ. But I don't know how to lead somebody to Christ is what I have heard lots and lots of times. And maybe many of you sitting here in this room this morning are saying, but I don't really know how to lead somebody to Christ. Let me give you some simple actions you can take. You need to have a plan and have it ready to go into action. And I'm going to show you. You've got your compass there's a place in there where you can jot this down. It's called the bridge illustration. And I have, uh, it, 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 there are a lot of different ways to do the bridge illustration, but I'm going to show you right now the simplest way that you can do it. And you can learn the bridge, bridge illustration, uses very few scriptures, and you can learn that and practice it on each other in your family or your friends and Teach people how to come to know Jesus Christ using the simple bridge illustration. So you're you're going to sketch this down. You can do it on a napkin or wherever. First of all, God, I'm, I'm talking to you like you're the person I'm going to lead to Jesus Christ. God created man to have wonderful fellowship with him, to love him, and to be with him forever. But you know, a problem developed. A great chasm was created between God and man by sin. Romans 3.23 says, all of us have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. So that sin has created a great gulf between where God is and where we are. And that gulf keeps us from being where God is. And Romans 6.23 says the penalty for sin, the wages of sin, is death. That's talking about eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. So if you die separated from God, the only place you can go is a place called hell. That's hard. And God wants you to be where he is. You see, Romans 6.23 not only says the wages of sin is death, but it also says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God sent his son Jesus to die so that we wouldn't have to. And when Jesus, not now, see, I couldn't die for your sins because I've got my own to pay for. But Jesus had no sins of his own. He was perfect. As God's, sin, uh, God's son, he came to earth and he died to pay for our sins so we wouldn't have to. He created the bridge that goes between where we are and where God is. Isn't that a loving thing to do? John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What a wonderful thing for God to do when we didn't even deserve it. The sin that had separated us has been overcome by Jesus Christ. So that settles it, right? No, no, no. There's one more step. It's the rest of John 3.16. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We have to believe in Jesus Christ and accept him into our lives and ask him to become our master, to, ask, to accept his death as payment for our sin. Titus 3.5 is a verse that says, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. In other words, you can't be good enough to get to heaven. And that's where a lot of people get hung up. In the Marine Corps, when we're trying to teach something, we stomp our foot. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. I don't care how good you are. Most people think that their good will outweigh their bad and they'll end up in heaven. That doesn't work. It's not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. You have to trust in Jesus and accept him as your personal savior. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. And so, when you have explained that to the person you're witnessing to, then you reach a point where you can say, is there any reason you should not pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior right now. And if they say, no, I don't guess there's any reason. This is great. Then I have the words of a, of a prayer here. You know, you know, the words are not that important as much as what's going on between them and God. But this is a simple prayer that says, dear Jesus, son of God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that you died to pay the penalty for my sin. 
I now accept your death as payment for my sin and ask you to come into my life and to become my Lord and Master. I give myself to you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. And frequently, with a prayer like that, I'll pray it. I'll say, would you like for me to pray that prayer? Now, I'm going to pray it a phrase at a time, and you can repeat the phrase after me. But you got to be sincere. you got to really mean what you're praying. Or it's just like saying, now lay me down to sleep. It, it doesn't mean anything. And so we pray that prayer together. And a person who prays that prayer, having sincerely given themselves to Jesus Christ, is born again. Make sense? So now, you got the tools. Okay, we're ready to go to the next slide. So pray for opportunities to speak up. Be friendly and gentle when you're talking to people. And stay focused, by the way, while you're talking. Don't get sidetracked when you're trying to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. It's easy to do because people will want to talk about everything from did, did all the animals really fit in Noah's Ark or where did Cain get his wife uh, or, or they'll want to talk about, what was another one I wrote? Oh, the Big Bang Theory. You know, all those kind of things come in. But you need to stay focused on what is the most important thing that you can tell somebody, and that is their relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing. And then, the fourth step. And God gets the glory not we ourselves. God gets the glory. Verse 8 goes on to say, and he went walking and jumping and praising God. In 1 Peter 2, 9, Peter tells Christians, you are a chosen people that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness in his wonderful light. We have been chosen, Christians, that we may declare praises of Almighty God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a mission. We have a task. Every Christian. You may say, well, you know, John and his evangelistic team, they're the ones that do that. No, no, no. We, every Christian, have a mission of telling people about Jesus Christ. The evangelistic team's doing great. I, I enjoyed reading, reading about the 117 people that they talked to about Christ at a recent event. But they're not the only ones that have a task. We all have that mission once we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord. Look for opportunities. Practice the bridge illustration with each other and then pray for opportunities to use it. So set the example. Develop a giving spirit. Get with it. And God gets the glory. Oh, that sharing our faith would be the deepest desire of our heart. Why is it not? You don't know how? Well, now you do. You've got an illustration. You've got a way to do it. Is it because you're embarrassed about your language or your lifestyle? You can change that. You can correct that. You can start today. You can talk to God 
and say, God, I want to recommit myself to you. I ask you to clean me up and make me somebody that by my example, by my words, by my actions and my attitude, I will be someone that people will listen to when I talk to them about Jesus Christ. You can talk to Christ and ask him through the power of the Holy Spirit to change you into someone who is a useful tool of his. And he can do that. He can turn you into that person. What would those who know you best when you are at your worst think about you? Where would you be? You can change that. Or perhaps you're thinking, what others believe is none of my business. It's not, not my concern what other people believe. Or, well, I just believe and live and let live. No, what you're saying if you say that is I just believe and live and let die. Don't you, don't you care? Our hands are God's hands. Our feet God's feet, and our mouth, God's mouth, experience the joy of giving him control. I close with this parable. A fellow dies, goes to heaven. He's ushered in. He prayed to receive Christ way back there when he was young. He's ushered in the front gates, and he's taken by an angel for a walk, he's being taken back to his mansion that it was prepared for him. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And that's where he's being taken. And as he walks back toward being taken by this angel back to that place, he's walking along and he hears singing and he hears joy and laughter and people enjoying themselves and, and great groups of people having such a wonderful time with each other. And as he walks further and further back the, the road that he's on, the laughter and joy is still there, but it gets less and less and fewer and fewer people. And, and pretty soon you just barely hear any. And eventually you get all the way back to where his mansion is. And it's really quiet. And he says to the angel, hey, I want the mansion back over there where all the laughing and the, and the joy and the singing and all of that is. What, why can't I have a mansion back there? And the angel says, oh, you don't know? You see, you get to spend eternity with the people you loved enough to share your faith and to lead to salvation. Since you didn't do that, you don't have anybody. Of course, that's apocryphal. But if it were the case, would you have people in your mansion that you could spend eternity with? Let me encourage you to win people to salvation in Jesus Christ. Lead them to the Lord, not just for the selfish reasons of having a feel-good thing about yourself, but so that they can have the wonderful gift that you have as well, knowledge of Jesus Christ himself. Now, 
Maybe there are people, usually in a room this side, there are this size, there are people who have never actually prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you have never made that decision, you can do that right now and have it taken care of. You can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, have your sins forgiven forever. He'll never uh, leave you or forsake you. He'll be with you forever. If you would give your life to him today, you can pray to receive him right now. Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you've never prayed to receive Christ, I encourage you to pray that prayer sincerely out of the depths of your heart, talking to God right now, and simply say something along these lines. Dear Jesus, I know I have sinned and my sin separates me from you. Right now, I acknowledge my sin. I accept that Jesus Christ, that you died for my sin, and I accept your death as payment for my sin. I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and my Master. I give myself to you right now. Can you pray that prayer? Oh, Jesus, I pray that if there are those in this room who've never prayed to receive you, that they will have just now done so or that they will be serious about accepting you as their Savior and never have to worry about it again. Father, I pray that during this time of commitment now that steps will be taken and lives will be changed. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Congregation, still with your heads bowed, would you please stand to your feet? We're going to have folks here at the front who are prepared to talk to you about decisions you want to make for Christ. If you're ready to make a commitment to Christ, I invite you to come to the aisle and meet one of these people that are ready to talk to you right here at the front. Come on out right now. Come down to the front and talk to one of these folks that will talk to you about taking the next step with Jesus Christ while the music plays and Christians are praying for you right now. Let this be a time of commitment as the music plays and as Christians are praying. You make your commitment to Christ. Christian, maybe it's time for you to recommit your life to Christ. You've been, you've, you've been given a sense of conviction about lifestyle or, or, or the need to recommit your life to Christ. And this would be a time where you would come and talk to one of these counselors and just pray with them, saying, from this day forward, I want my life to count for Christ. Or maybe you just need to come and pray. Whatever it is, this would be the time.
Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for your love, for sacrificing yourself for us, for caring so much. We pray that you will be with us as we consider our relationship with you and help us to see honestly and earnestly what you want us to be about in our spiritual lives and in our daily lives. As we go from this place, may we be focused on you. We love you so, and we thank you for loving us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.